Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I think the very first thing that I ought to do today is just to remind you what a great privilege it is to be a part of the Lord's church. And I would say especially, I think that it's a great privilege to be a part of the Berean Baptist Church because I think we have a, a body of Christians here that's really uncommon and unlike than you find in many different parts of the country. Over the past five years especially, I think that Berean Baptist Church has become a place that's really, uh, really friendly and a very caring church. Uh, our church is truly a family. And like many families, we don't always get along with each other the way that we would like to. But yet there is still that sense that we all belong together right here. We care for one another. And that is just so much of a privilege to be a part of a group like that. In the scriptures, there are three different metaphors in the New Testament especially that are or in the New Testament that are given about the church. Sometimes the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And that tells us really how important that the church is to Jesus Christ, that it would consider that we are wedded to Jesus Christ. And the, and the Bible says that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. There's another metaphor that's used for the church in the writings of the Apostle Paul. He says the church is like a building. And Peter tells us exactly what kind of building we are. He says we're a stone building. He says we are lively stones or living stones that are built up into a spiritual house. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives us one more metaphor for the church. And here he says that the church is like a body. Now, for those of you that have never been married, you may not be able to relate to the church as a bride. If you've never built anything, you know anything about building, maybe you can't relate to the church as a building. But if you're human, you do have a body. And so I believe that everyone here today, we can relate to the church as a body. All of us have a body. You're physically present here today. I don't think that there are any spirit beings out there right now. I think the angels are here, but I don't think there's any spirit beings other than that that are, that are here with us today. Everyone is present because you have a physical body. Well, in this passage, Paul explains to us how that the human body is emblematic of the body of Christ. The church, in many ways, is like a human body. Now, even though uh, there are many different parts to a body, uh, the church is also made up of many different parts. And although that the body is made of different parts, yet it's all one body. It's a unit. It all works together. And that's exactly the way that the, the church works. We have all these different parts, just like we have in a human body, and yet all of us work together. So today we're going to look at this, and we're going to see what it really takes for this church to be a living, breathing entity, an organism that works for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a couple of things in the message today that I'll, that I'll say a little bit, that are a little bit more technical than things that we usually bring out on a Sunday morning. So I want you to pay close attention to me, especially when we get into the part number two of the message today, uh, because I'll have some things to say that you need to think about a little bit. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'd stand with me, please, as we read God's word. We're going to start with verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. For as the body is one... And hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. 
If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. We, we just ask you, Lord, that you would open up your word to us. Help us to understand the analogy that Paul is making here as we talk about the human body as compared to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our eyes for understanding today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me back up just for a moment into the beginning of verse number 12 so we can sort of tie together what Paul is saying here in this particular section. We preached a couple of messages in that first section, and I've talked to you about how that God has gifted many different members of the church in different ways. God has given us supernatural gifts, and every member of the church has a gift that's been given from God. God expects us to take that gift and to use it in his service. In the Corinthian church, there were many of the people that had misused the spiritual gifts that God had given. They had become very jealous over one another. Some of them were very angry, in fact, that there were some people that had a spiritual gift that they didn't have. And then there were other people in the church that didn't even use the spiritual gift that God had given at all. Well, Paul comes to them and he talks to them about these spiritual gifts and he wants them to understand very clearly that no spiritual gift that God has given to any person is to be used in order to make us prideful. All of the gifts that God are given, have given are not to make us stand out in the crowd, but each of these gifts are given to glorify and to magnify Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the head of the church and this church is his body. Well, as Paul goes on here in chapter 12, he begins to explain exactly why God has not gifted every member of the body in exactly the same way. And he's pointing out here, there is no reason for us to be jealous or to be upset because someone has some gift that we don't have because every member of the body is important and God will use those spiritual gifts in the church as he sees fit. The first thing that I'd like you to notice about this today is that we are unified as a body. As the body of Christ, we are unified. Now, your body may indeed be made up of different parts, but God has put the human body together in such a way that all of the body parts work together. When Jesus came to this earth, he, of course, came in a physical body. Jesus was in heaven. He was one with the Father, and at that time, he was a spirit. But then God the Father decided that he would send Jesus into the world, and Jesus came in the form of a man, and he actually became the physical manifestation of God on earth. So Jesus became incarnate, and that simply means that Jesus took on flesh. He became a man, so he came as a human, and he came to this earth. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up as a child, then into manhood. And for 33 years, Jesus was present on this earth in a physical body. And, of course, we all know the story of how uh, Jesus was taken to the cross. There he was crucified, placed in a tomb, and then three days later, Jesus came out of that tomb. Well, shortly after the resurrection... 
Jesus then ascended back into heaven. And what he ascended back into heaven with was a glorified body. So his body went back into heaven, but Jesus left something here on earth. He didn't leave a physical body, not that, but Jesus did leave a body. And that body is his church. Now, while Jesus was here upon the earth, you could literally talk to him. If you've been present at that time, you could hear words that Jesus had to say. You could touch him. If you got close to him, I'm sure that you could smell him. He was in a physical body. But when Jesus left his body here on the earth, the church, he also left something that was visible. He left something that you could see. He left something that you could touch. In fact, as you're sitting here today, you're listening to me preach, you're hearing one of the members of the body of Christ speak to you. If you get real close to the person that's next to you, you could probably smell that member of the church. That can be good or bad, but you can smell another person. And that's because as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are a visible, living entity that God has left here on this earth to carry out his work. This body is a unified body. If you ever come to me and you say, Pastor, I, I really don't think that we have any unity in the church. And so what we really need to do, we, we've got to put some kind of program in place. We must do something in order to establish unity for our church. And I would tell you that that's impossible for us to do. We cannot create unity in the church. And that's because this is Christ's body. The Holy Spirit is the one who controls this, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can create unity among us. So we don't have the power over this body. The Holy Spirit has the power, and we will be a unified body as we abide in the Holy Spirit. Now then, let me point out that as we abide in the Holy Spirit, that we function as the same unit. We're all functioning as the same unit in the body of Christ. Now when you're body is connected to your head, the brain sends out all the instructions that go to different places in your body. All of these different body parts that you have in the human body, each one of them is different, and yet the brain causes those things to work together so the body actually works and functions as it should. When I was back in Kentucky, I, uh, I knew a man that whenever he talked, some, for some reason his hands always went into motion. I mean, you couldn't talk to this man without, as soon as he opened his mouth, the hands start moving all around as he's talking. Well, his body parts were all working together. He, he was speaking, and he was, he was working, he was functioning. I don't know if he had a glitch in his software that caused his, caused his uh, hands to move as he talked, but it was obvious that in order for a person to speak, for you to speak, for me to speak, all the body parts have to move together. Your tongue has to move, your mouth has to move, your throat your vocal cords, that all has to work together. You ever tried to talk without moving your tongue? Doesn't look very well. It's kind of hard to do that. You see, you have a tongue, that's different from the other part of your mouth. You have vocal cords, that's different from your tongue. And yet all of these body parts work together. And this is the way that God works in his church. It functions together as the same unit. Now I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the message later on. Now, there are some people that are here today, and you are not members of Berean Baptist Church. You're not a part of this particular body. Some of you, I see quite often, you do come and you attend our worship services. But rather than being a part of the body, and as I say this, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but rather than being a part of the body, you're more like a shirt that I would put on. 
You're, you're more like a necktie that goes around my neck. You're not a part of the body. You're, a, you're an add-on feature. You're attachment to this, an attachment to it, but you're not actually a part of the body. And I do hope that, that everyone who attends Berean Baptist Church, at some point that you will consider how important that it is to actually be a part of the body of Christ. And it's so important because the body of Christ, the church, is the place where God's work is done on the earth. It's the only place where God's work is done. The, the only place that God is authorized to do his work is the Lord's New Testament church. And so from the church, you receive baptism. That's commanded by God. You're enabled to, to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. That's one of the privileges of being a member of the church. And also when you become a part of the church, you receive the support of a family. You become a part of this community of believers. And, and this community of believers is here for you in the good times and the bad. Now, I will promise you that you attend Berean Baptist Church if you have a problem. There's somebody in this church who will help you whether you are a member or not. We do things like that around here. Most importantly, though, why do you need to be a member of the church? It's because the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The Bible teaches that it is the church that upholds the truth. And when you're not a part of the church, what happens is you are prone to, uh, to wander off and to get into false worship and doctrinal errors. And so God uses his church to preserve his word. Now, now let, me, let me give you a second statement here. And that is that we follow with the same understanding. We function as a unit, as a church together. We all follow with the same understanding. The reason that we have the name Baptist out on our sign, and why I tell you today that I am a Baptist preacher, that's because we believe that the Baptist interpretations of Scripture are the right interpretations. There are some people who say, well, it really doesn't matter what kind of church you attend. It doesn't matter what kind of a church that you belong to, because everybody believes the same thing. One church is as good as another. Well, obviously, that can't be a true statement. All churches do not believe the same things. And it's these doctrinal differences that actually separate us because we have a different doctrine to preach. Now, there's some people who say, well, what we really need to do as a community of Christians, all churches need to come together, and what we really need to do is just tear down all of those walls that separate us. Let's don't worry about doctrine. Let's don't focus on that. But let's all come together and let's just love one another and let's just be one great big body. Well, I'm very concerned about truth and error, and I hope that you are too. And when there is a wall that separates between truth and error, the thing that you do is you don't tear that wall down. You build that wall higher. You build that wall stronger because we never want to be pulled into any kind of doctrinal error. So in Berean Baptist Church, we're going to do everything that we can to separate ourselves from the doctrinal errors that go on in so many of these churches. And so in order to be a unified body, we must be unified in our doctrine. One of the things the Holy Spirit will not do, the Holy Spirit will not lead one person in one direction with the doctrine and lead a person in another direction with the doctrine. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. You can't have unity when you have diversity of doctrine. And so we come together in one church because here we teach the very same things. We all believe the same things. We're unified by our doctrine. Now, I most certainly do believe as I said, that our interpretations of Scripture as Baptists, that, that this is correct. 
We believe the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of the Word to His true churches. And I'm always willing to sit down with anyone with a Bible in hand and discuss any differences that we might have. Our authority is the Bible. We get it all from the Scripture. And so, if the Scripture says it, that's what we'll practice. And we'll always do that rather than to break down any walls of doctrinal differences. Now, I told you in the, in the message a little earlier that, that, that it might be a little bit more technical for a Sunday morning sermon than we usually do. But I need to talk to, to you about something today that's really terribly misunderstood in Christianity. And this concerns the statement that Paul makes in verse number 13. Paul says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. What does Paul mean when he says, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body? Well, we just noticed that we're unified as the body. Secondly, we are baptized as believers. Baptism is actually our identification with Christ. I believe that baptism is actually the entrance into the church. Some Baptists will state that a little bit differently. They may say that baptism is the door to the church. But there are other people who say that baptism is the way that you become a Christian, that you're saved by being baptized. Well, baptism never saved anyone. Baptism is for a person who's already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, here is a person who is already a Christian. They've trusted Christ by faith. They believe that Christ died to save them from their sins. They are believers, so they're saved, and then they're baptized. And as they're baptized, that baptism shows that they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not for the purpose of saving them. Now, let me point out two very important things here about the baptism that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. First, this. Our new birth is what places us into Christ. You remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is the way that you become a Christian. You are born again. You have a new birth. Everybody here in this room, you were born once physically. By your physical parents, you were born. But the Bible says in order for a person to go to heaven, he must have a second birth. He must have a spiritual birth. He has to be born again, and his spiritual parent is God. Now, here's where this confusion comes in concerning verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. There are many people who say... In fact, most evangelical Christians today will say that this baptism in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, is not water baptism at all. That what it's speaking of here is Holy Spirit baptism. That you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit does that, you come into this mystical body of Christ. It is a body that you can't touch. It's one that you can't see. It's a body that never meets together. And it's impossible for it to meet together because it's an invisible body. And so, essentially, what they say then is that the church and salvation is exactly the same thing. So when you get saved, you become a part of this great, big, universal, invisible church. And that is the way that you get into Christ. Well, the only problem is there's no place in the Bible where it ever says that the church is invisible. Neither is there any place in the Bible where it says that a person gets into Christ by being baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
There's one way that you get into Christ, and Jesus explained it to Nicodemus. It's by a new birth. Always the new birth is the way that you get into Christ. And the Bible never describes getting into Christ by a baptism of any kind. But today, you hear that phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit, banded about everywhere. Everybody's talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, what exactly is that? What is the Bible talking about when it says baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, in fact, there is only one baptism of the Holy Spirit that's spoken of in Scripture, and that's when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. There are four times in the Bible where it talks about being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Only four references. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. The other reference is in John 1, 33, and one more reference in Acts chapter 11, verse 16. And what those references are all talking about is the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. The one in Acts chapter 11 is where uh, Peter talks about Cornelius, who, who received Christ by faith. He was a Gentile convert, in fact, the first Gentile convert. And it talks there about how that, uh, the, those Gentiles began to speak with tongues as they did on the day of Pentecost. And so the reference there is always to Pentecost. Nothing here at all does it say that this is a way that a person actually gets into Christ. And so whenever you see or hear someone talk about baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, it must refer to what the Bible says, which is that this is talking about Pentecost. That's the day that that the Holy Spirit came and he empowered the church for its work. But that is not how people get into Christ. Now, what does 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 say? It says, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. That means that it is the same Holy Spirit by which we, uh, uh, in reference to him, that we have been baptized. And that Holy Spirit is the one who sanctions. It's the same spirit that we, that we know, that we trust, that we belong to. And, and we are baptized by water, and we come into the church through that way. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not talking about some spiritual thing that takes place. It doesn't involve water at all. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, if the scripture says that there is one baptism, what could that one baptism be? Well, there's only one baptism that we all know about, and it's common to us, and that's a baptism in water. Baptism in water is a church ordinance, and that's the way that you come into church. So 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is not talking about a supernatural spiritual baptism. That's not what puts you into the church. Now, let me comment also on this. On, is one other thing about this particular point. Many of our fellow independent Baptist churches, not all of them, but many of them, they do not believe in a universal invisible church, just like we don't believe in universal invisible church. But they do believe that this is talking about Holy Spirit baptism, and they say this is the way that you get into the body of Christ. Well, I only have one question there. 
What is the body of Christ? Very clearly, the Bible says the body of Christ is the church. That, that's plainly taught. So if you don't believe in a universal, invisible church, then what is this body that he's speaking of? Is, is it something other than the church? Well, obviously it's not. The body of Christ is the church. And if there is no universal, invisible church, then what this church, this verse must be talking about is water baptism. It's the, it's the only possible thing that makes sense. Now, that leads me then to the second observation about baptism, and that is our baptism places us in the church. Baptism is administered by the church. In other words, it's done under church authority, so that when the church baptizes you, you, that's your entrance into the body of Christ, which is the church. As I said, that's the only common baptism that we have. And so in Ephesians 4, verse 5, where it says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, that must be water baptism, which is the sign and the symbol of our belief in Christ. So baptism is actually our identification with Christ. That's what identifies us as a part of this living, breathing organism, which is Christ's body. And this body, folks, can be seen, it can be touched, and this is a body that can meet together. Now, I'm telling you then today that if you are one of the add-ons to the church, if you're a necktie instead of the neck or not the hand and, and you're not a foot that's been integrated into the body, then this is something that you need to do. You need to be baptized and become a part of a church. Be baptized and become a part of a New Testament church. Now, when you're baptized into another Baptist church, then you become a part of that local body. See, we don't believe that Berean Baptist Church is the only church in the world. Certainly not. We're not the only church. We're just the manifestation of Christ's body in this particular locality. We are real. We can be seen. And you have the possibility of being baptized into this visible body. Now, let me go on because I still need to talk to you about how that we're all the same and yet we're different. Thirdly, today, we are diversified yet balanced. We are unified as a body, we are baptized as believers, and we are diversified yet balanced. And what I mean is that God has a way of putting people into the church so that we achieve the perfect balance in order to get the work done here. We're able to do this ministry over here and that ministry over there and all the different things that we do because God has put different people into the church to give us the right blend and the right balance. I marvel sometimes at what God does in church. How that God just raises up the people that you need for particular things. Several years ago, when we remodeled this building, we had two men that did much of the work that you see on the inside here. Brother Grant Evans and Brother Les Crandall. I'm thankful that the Lord gave two men that kind of talent that they could do exactly what this church needed at a particular time. And we thank the Lord that he raises up people like that. Whenever we have problems with air conditioning and things like that, there's Dave Morrow, Dave Sharon, and we thank the Lord that there are people like that. See, we're not always talking about the spiritual things that go on here, but God raises up people to take care of physical things as well. There are people who do the other spiritual things, uh, of course. When we need uh, someone to play an instrument, we have uh, Melissa, and we have Lucy, we have Diana, and we have Catherine. And it's wonderful, and on and on it goes, how God raises up people in the church. And this is the wonderful thing about the Lord's church. We're not like a cult. 
I mean, we're, not everybody in the church is exactly the same. And you see, you know, some churches, everybody looks like they came from the same cookie cutter. Everybody dresses exactly the same. Everybody's got the same haircut. They all eat the same things. They go to the same places. They all talk the same way. Not around here. We're pretty much diversified. Now, very simply then, we'll put it this way. We are different from each other. And sometimes I am so thankful that we are different from each other. I don't know what I would do if I had two Lenos and two, uh, two Dave Sharons. I just don't know what I would do. Really, I'll tell you the truth about that. If I had 100 people like Dave Sharon and 100 people like Lino Zamacona, I would be one happy camper. I'm just glad that not everybody looks like them. That, that's, that's wonderful. I, I don't want 100 people that look like them. That'd be real confusing to Zoe and Julie. But uh, God puts these different people in. We're different. And the whole point of Paul talking about the body here is to point out that fact. All of your body parts are different. Now look at it again in verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the smelling? If the whole were hearing, excuse me, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? So the point of this is Paul to tell the Corinthians, don't get upset because you're not just like another member. Don't be upset because God has gifted some other member of the church with a spiritual gift that you don't have. Maybe you can't preach, but that's all right because God has a place for you. Maybe you can't teach in the Sunday school department, but that's all right. God has a place for you. God is going to blend us all together. He'll cause us to work together so that all of his work done it gets done, and all of it's important to him. So, if, if, uh, you know, if I didn't have all the help that goes on in the church, there is no way that I could do all the ministry that's here. It's impossible for me to operate the church without all the people that we have. You know, everybody knows this. Preachers are lazy. Preachers are lazy. So if everybody's a preacher, then who's going to do all the work? Preachers have it easy. All, all, you know, that's what I usually hear. All you got to do is get up and preach three sermons a week. That's all that you do. That is so simple. So we need somebody else to do the hard stuff around here, don't we? Of course we do. We got to have people that help with everything. Who's going to change light bulbs? Who's going to vacuum the floor? Who's going to take care of the nursery? Who's going to teach Pioneer Club, teach Sunday school classes? Who's going to do all that? I can't do it. And so God has put all these members in the body to be useful with the gift that God has given them. So when Paul says this is like a body, he says the foot doesn't complain because it's not the hand. I don't want my foot to be my hand. If I did, whenever I eat, I'd stick my my foot in my mouth. You know, I do enough of that already. I don't want my nose to be my foot. My nose would spend all day long in my shoes smelling my dirty socks. So I don't want my nose to be my foot. I don't want my ear to be my eye. Because then I'd be digging earwax out of the front of my face. (laughs) So I don't want to do that. And there's other things that I could say as well. We don't want to mix our body parts up like that. God makes us all different. And he gives us differently because it takes all of that to make the body function. So he says then, what if everybody was an ear? What if everybody in the church was an eye? What if everybody was a nose? Then you don't have a body. All you have then is just a collection of body parts. 
So what if everybody wants to be the head? Have you ever heard this story before? There was a little boy that was born with just a head. That's all he was, was just a head. And uh, he grew up, or he was growing, and, and so it came time for him to go to school. All the kids liked him. He was a very unusual, very unusual boy because all he was was a head. So they would put him in their back backpack, and they'd take him to school and set him up on a pillow right there in the class where he could listen to the teacher. And uh, he listened intently and enjoyed going to school. Well, as the years went by, he began to mature, but he's still ahead. He's, he's just ahead. He begins to mature, and he starts to like girls. So he's sitting behind the prettiest girl in the class, and he says, Hey, Mary, would you go out on a date with me? And Mary was very indignant because she's the prettiest girl in the class. And she says, I'm the prettiest girl in the class. What makes you think that I want to go out with somebody who's just ahead? She said, I'd rather at least you were a grape because then you'd be purple and you'd match my dress. Well, that upset him very, very badly. So the kids took him home from school that day, and he was very sad. So he began to pray, Lord, I want to be a grape. Make me a grape, Lord. And sure enough, the next day when he woke up, he was a grape. Well, the kids came, and they took him to school, put him in the backpack, took him to school, put him up there on his, on his uh, little desk with his little pillow, and there he was sitting behind Mary again. And so he says, Mary, would you go out on a date with me? I'm a grape. Well, he, Mary turned around very quickly to look at him, and as she did, she accidentally knocked him on the floor. And he rolled up under the teacher's desk, and the teacher got up to speak, and she stepped on him and squashed him. There's a moral to that story. He should have quit while he was ahead. You see, folks, don't worry. It wasn't that bad. You'll get over it. God has given you something to do, and it's best for you to be content exactly where God has put you. Don't look for what someone else does and say, I must do that and be jealous of what other people do. So God has a purpose for you. Use the gift that God give you, gives you. So we're, we're, de- we're different from one another. But then next, this is so important, we are dependent upon one another. Paul uses the analogy of a, of a body because we are all dependent on each other. My muscles are able to do work because my blood carries food to my muscles. My blood is able to do that because my stomach broke down the food into different nutrients and so forth that I could use. But my stomach was able to do that because my hands fed my mouth, my teeth chewed up the food and sent it to the digestive tract. You see, all of those things are working exactly as they should work so that the muscles can perform the job that they need to do. So it all works together. Each part is dependent upon the other. And no part of your body could do its function unless the other body parts did exactly what they were supposed to do too. So that's the way it is in the church. It takes all of us to do God's work because we're all dependent upon one another. I am dependent upon you to do all the different ministries that we have in the church, and then you are dependent upon me to give you the spiritual nourishment that you need to go about the work that God has given you to do. So Paul, Paul's point here, don't complain about where God puts you because all of us are needed in God's work. Now let me close with this last point today. In a healthy body, healthy parts help the hurting parts. 
That's what I love so much about Brian Baptist Church. We have a lot of hurting parts, and the healthy parts are helping the hurting parts. A few years ago, I was playing basketball in Kentucky with some friends at church. This was when I was a little bit younger, and uh, much, much younger. And uh, with this very well muscular toned body, I decided to go up for a rebound. Well, as I did, I came down and I landed wrongly and I tore the ACL in my knee. So my body, you know, I've torn that ACL. I'm heading towards the floor. So my body begins to twist and turn. My arm goes out to catch my fall so I won't fall on this beautiful face and harm that. And so I'm twisting as I go down and I hit the ground. That cushions the fall so I can roll over on my back. And as I'm laying there, the rest of my body is saying, stay still, stay still, don't hurt yourself any worse than you already are. Then after that, uh, I had the ACL repaired, went to the doctor, you know, I go to an orthopedic surgeon, and he took a, took a ligament, an ACL, out of a, a cadaver. He didn't need it, so they gave it to me. So they, I, they took that, and they took these big screws, and they screwed that into my into my knees so that I'd have that ACL again. But that, for, you know, for several weeks, I was walking on crutches. And as I was walking on crutches, my other body parts were helping to compensate for the one that was hurting. So my right leg took some of the pressure off of my left leg, and it carried the work for me until I could get back to where I could use both legs. That's where the healthy part of the body is helping the hurting part. This is one of the very reasons why you need to be a part of the Lord's church. Is there anybody here today who could raise your hand and say, I was hurting and somebody in the church helped me? Anybody can raise your hand like that? Hands are all over the place. This is what you get in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are hurting, there are other people who can help you. Paul says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. Never complain that you're different. Never complain that you don't have the job that someone else has. Just be thankful for this. God allowed you. He put you into the body. Thank the Lord for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the end of this message. We thank you, Lord, so much for Brian Baptist Church for the faithful members here who do so much work. We need everybody to, to fill their positions, to serve you, and use the gift that you have given. Help us, Lord, as we labor together. Help us to love one another as we should. And may we carry on this work in the way that you would, you would have us to. Lord, bless the people today. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, may they understand that Jesus died on the cross to save them from their sins. And then, Lord, by trusting you, they can be saved. And then they can be baptized and become a part of your church. Blessing this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.